Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dose of Dental Podcast. The focus of this podcast is to share undergraduate and dental school experiences from dental students and dental professionals through valuable discussions. Through sharing the journeys and stories of current dental students and dental professionals, our goal is to help you find answers or guidance for your own pre-dental journeys. We are super excited to have Dr. Vernon Goyle as our guest today. Dr. Goyle graduated from Stony Brook University with a degree in biology, and more recently just graduated from Stony Brook School of Dental Medicine this summer. During his undergraduate years, he was heavily involved with the Stony Brook Pre-Dental Society and served as dance, dance chair of the PUSO Executive Board, which is a national competitive hip-hop dancing team at Stony Brook University. In dental school, Dr. Goyle started a prosthodontist club, conducted research, and went on to start a YouTube channel to showcase his love for dancing. Dr. Goyle is now continuing his residency at Stony Brook as well. Dr. Goyle, we're beyond excited to have you on the podcast. How does it feel to complete dental school, and how have your first three weeks of residency been going? Uh, honestly, it feels unreal. <laughs> it's crazy to believe how fast time flies. Um, the first few weeks of residency, it's been um, kind of getting back into the swing of things since I came back from summer break, you know. Um, so it is definitely going a little bit slow, but I can't wait to see how the journey goes. I feel like I'm going to learn a lot this year. Yeah, awesome. That sounds great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, uh, where you grew up in, obviously, and, uh, you know, we like to do for fun. Sure. So again, my name is Varun Goyal. Um, I am currently in my first year of residency, like you all said. Uh, originally, I was born in Queens, but I've lived in Long Island for most of my life. Um, for my first semester of college, I actually studied abroad in Greece, um, which is part of Northeastern University's NUN program. Um, went back to Northeastern after that was over, decided to transfer schools to Stony Brook, um, and then I finished Stony Brook, um, graduated in 2017, started dental school in 2018, um, just finished in 2022, and now I'm starting residency. Um, and in my free time, I like to dance, as <laughs> you mentioned. Um, and throughout dental school, you know, I came up with came up with a few ways to combine both my passions for dentistry and dancing. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Still, you know, um, trying to learn as much as I can with dental school and trying to continue with dancing. That's great to hear um, that you're dancing. It's very unique because I don't think that many people have that link between dentistry and dancing. Um, so every dental student and dental professional has a reason for diving deep into this field. Uh, we just like to ask, you know, why dentistry? What motivated you to get to where you are and what has kept you here? Yeah, so um, I've always been wanting to do something in the medical field. I guess I just wasn't exactly sure what it was. So when I was at Stony Brook, I was pre-med on the pre-med track to begin with, you know, and then just talking to a bunch of people, um, they kind of just suggested that I look towards dentistry. Um, so I started shadowing a few dentists, you know, because at the time I still didn't know exactly what it was I wanted to do in the health profession. Uh, started looking towards dentistry and um, it was pretty late during um, my college years. Actually, it was around junior year I started looking towards dentistry. Um, heard a lot of great things about the lifestyle and how, you know, just something, how it's something that's different from the traditional medical track as well. Uh, so I started shadowing and honestly, I took a leap of faith. <laughs> um, I took a leap of faith and, you know, something like I shadowed a few people and I was like, okay, you know what, let's go for it. <laughs> it's not something that a lot of people do. Um, but when I really thought about it, especially when it came to writing my personal statement, I tried to think of a more personal reason of why I could apply dentistry in my life. Um, so I started thinking about my parents and, you know, my parents actually before then never really visited a dentist. Yeah. So that, I guess, kind of inspired me to want to pursue dentistry more because when I thought about it, my first dental visit wasn't until I was 16 years old. Um, I, yeah, I got my first cleaning at 16 years old. <laughs> um, so I was just kind of thinking about that. And, you know, since dentistry wasn't really something that was looked that greatly upon in my family, it's something that I wanted to learn more about and bring into my family, you know? So that's basically why I pursued dentistry. Yeah, that's a really good story. And honestly, like not getting clean until you're 16, that's got to be, it makes sense why that's like your source of motivation for, you know, pursuing this, this field. Um, so yeah, along those lines, I kind of wanted to ask you, like, how do you maintain your why throughout undergrad, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of variables that go into like motivation and drive and, and you know, all that. Maybe discipline might be the best, the best answer to put it. But, you know, what was your motivation to, how'd you keep your why throughout the undergrad process? Um. So I think uh, just something about me, I'm a very, um, 
like I, I really take time management seriously and I really try to prioritize what's most important. Um, so like I said, I did and I did decide that I wanted to pursue dentistry late. Uh, it was around my junior year and typically the end of junior year is when the applications start. So as soon as I figured out that this is what I wanted to do, I kind of just started hustling, started studying for the DAT right away. Um, and it was while I was still taking all my exams and um, going through my courses in school too. Um, but I just had to learn how to prioritize things a little bit better because now this was a really big goal of mine trying to get into dental school as soon as I graduate from college. Um, started studying for the DAT and um, started to become more involved in the pre-dental society. Um, and I just started shadowing some more people. And it's, it's just when you kind of have a goal, you just want to try to do your best to, <laughs> to pursue it, you know. So you talked about uh, you used to be like a pre-med and then you kind of moved to pre-dental. Um, so how, how was your undergraduate experience? Like, when did you, uh, you know, have that realization, like, I want to just shift, shift my path. And then how'd you kind of organize your, your activities and events accordingly so that you would be on track to apply to dental school? Um, it was kind of tough. Like I said, I did talk to um, a lot of people about it. And, you know, I have a lot of doctors in my family, um, but I also noticed that I didn't have any dentists in my family. So in the, in the early years of college, I started going to hospitals, um, shadowing at hospitals. Um, I volunteered as an orderly in an operating room in a surgical room back at Northeastern. Um, and, you know, of course, I wanted to enter the health profession because I wanted to really help people, you know. Um, but I guess after that, I kind of just realized that um, a hospital setting wasn't really my thing at the time. Um, and then I just started to look at other branches of medicine, one of them which wound up being dentistry. Um, so I guess that's how my focus shifted. Yeah, so I think something that like a lot of people may struggle with is like choosing their class schedule, right? Because um, everyone wants to choose classes that, you know, are going to help them achieve their major and, uh, you know, fulfill their requirements. So, you know, as you shifted from Northeastern to Stony Brook, what, what uh, resources did you use um, to kind of help you along the way? Yeah, so... Um, Luckily, I was a biology major and a lot of the pre-dental and pre-medical courses biology majors are required to take. So for me, the shift wasn't as bad. Um, but, you know, we do have pre-dental advisors at Stony Brook undergrad. Um, I remember talking to a bunch of them and they really just helped me um, get all of my application things ready. And also, also um, they made sure that I was on the right track. Um, and I'm sure, you know, most universities out there would have a pre-dental advisor or a pre-medical advisor. So I would definitely recommend setting up appointments, reaching out to them. Um, also taking advantage of um, like the career centers uh, and also the writing centers so that they can help you with your resume and um, your personal statements and things like that. Um, yeah, so you touched upon like the DAT and your personal statement. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about like the dental application in a whole? Like um, how'd you plan you know, you're studying for the DAT, uh, you know, where you kind of think, while you took the courses, were you kind of thinking about the exam or was it not yet where you decided to go into the dental? Um, so I've heard a lot of things about DAT bootcamp. I think that's one of like the holy grails of studying for the DAT. So I definitely looked into that. Um, I'm not sure what the main resources are that are available are now, um, but I know at the time I also looked into um, uh, Chad's videos for organic chemistry and general chemistry, especially. Um, and for reading comprehension, DAT bootcamp, I looked at mainly um, and just trying to, you know, just reading articles on a general basis because it's all reading comprehension. You know, the more reading that you do, the better you get at it. Um, there was also, uh, and I can't, I can't forget, I can't remember the name, but um, this, this one doctor that had all of the books for like Orgo and um, Gen Chem, I forgot the name. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but once I figured it out, I'll let you know. Um, uh, yeah, and I basically, I think if I remember correctly, it was mainly during winter break because we had about a month off for winter break where I really heavily focused on my studying. I was like, I didn't take any courses. I, I did all the self-studying. Um, I did all the studying on my own. Um, but I basically created a schedule where I would go to the library eight hours a day for about five days a week. And I would just sit there, grind, and kind of create a schedule for myself to study. Um, and the schedule was, you know, reviewing materials and constantly doing practice questions too. Um, and I guess uh, my studying strategy was 
mostly like I'd spend a couple of hours reviewing doing practice questions. That would be like the first four hours, the second four hours, I would move on to a different subject and repeat the same thing. And the next day I would start a brand new subject, same thing for the first four hours. Next four hours I would do a different subject, but I would also just, just briefly review what I did the previous day, just so you know I don't forget anything. By the time it's the end of winter break, I don't forget what I did on the first day of winter break. You know, that, you know, that definitely makes a lot of sense. You're reviewing every couple of days. You don't forget, you know, what you worked like four hours the one day on to, to remember. And, you know, as you said, like creating a schedule is very important for pre-dentals. Um, you know, a lot of times everyone has different activities that they're doing while they're studying for the exams. Um, could be like during the semester, could be during a break, but either way, you know, I feel like making a certain schedule and kind of following that is the best way to go. Um, and definitely, I, I feel like incorporating a little bit of activity each day, uh, you know, as you study, just because, you know, you might be getting mentally stronger to take this exam, but it's also get, it's also important to be like physically stronger. You know, you want to maintain both sides of that of that of that coin. Um, so along those lines, like how do you how do you you mentioned you incorporated dent, uh, dancing into dentistry? So can you like touch up upon how exactly that that worked out? Like how did you incorporate these aspects of dancing into uh, you know the field that you want to pursue? Um, I think because at the end of the day, dentistry it is a medical profession and most medical professions are team oriented. You know, you have to learn how to collab with everyone in your team. Um, with dentistry, we have the dental assistant, the dentist, the dental hygienist, your lab technician, your receptionist. Um, and if, you know, you just gotta make sure you learn how to communicate with everyone properly to help provide high quality care. Um, and the same thing kind of applies in dance, on a dance team where you're in a team setting, you know, you have the members, you have the leaders of the team, the choreographers, the person who has to make your music for the set, you know? Um, so I think it's really having experience in that collaborative setting with dancing, which kind of helped me, help prepare me for dental school a little bit more. And that's kind of why I included it in the personal statement. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, I play basketball myself. And like, even if you play pickup or something, it's kind of like the same thing. Like you need yeah. to, have, you can't just do it all yourself. I mean, sometimes you can, but you know, most of the time, if you're playing like competitive setting, like you kind of need everyone to be on the same page and like, you know really help contribute towards the ultimate goal which is winning the game um so yeah you, you talked about you know your dancing um did you you also had involvement with the pre-dental society um so can you talk a little bit about you know what kind of role that played during your undergraduate years yeah i mean i think the biggest event that i could think of is when they took the undergrads to visit the dental school um and you know when i visited the dental school this was i think during my my senior year where i visited the dental school and then it's crazy because when i went back when i went to dental school the next year and i saw some familiar faces i was like oh my god i remember you you did that mock interview with me in the pre-dental society last year <laughs> um so the pre-dental society i would highly recommend trying to go to as many meetings as you can um and i think at the end of the day it's all about connections you know um i'm sure the pre-dental society also has collaborative events, not just with Stony Brook Dental School, but with other schools, you know, so I would definitely recommend um, making connections with people that are involved. Um, if you're, if they have events with other schools, making connections with those other schools as well. Um, the more people see you, the more they'll remember you, you know, and especially when you're in an interview, when you're interviewing, the most important thing is you want to make sure you're memorable. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, like you said, the mock interview process, honestly, I know that I think Harvard and some other schools do conduct mock interviews for like pre-dentals. And I think that's like the best way to, uh, to, uh, you know, really hone in on your interview skills. And I think to be honest, I'm not sure, but I think there's a application, there's a spot in your application to, to kind of show you like your interest in a different school. So, I mean, if you do mock interviews at like, you know, these dental schools that you're applying to, they might think, oh, wow, so this kid actually has some interest in the school and he actually did an interview with us. So, you know, it could sway you uh, in, a, in a better position. And going on those lines, like, can you can you talk about your own interview experience, you know, whether it be like with Stony Brook or any other schools you applied with, um, just so our pre listeners can understand, you know, what really goes into uh, preparing and conducting these interviews. Sure. Um, so I don't remember how many schools I interviewed at. I think it was maybe three. I applied to maybe 10, 12 schools and got three interviews. Um, and... Uh, I basically, um, when I went to the interview, right, I, I just tried to remind myself, you know, just be yourself. You want to be accepted for who you are. You don't want to put on any persona or anything like that, right? 
um and me i guess in general i'm i get pretty excited and i'm just like a fun jumpy person you know so um i try to try to make that make people aware of that so i try to um you know when you're in that room with all the interviewees try to meet as many people as you can um and you know i know at the end of the day you're you're competing with each other but five years down the line when you both graduate and you know run into each other again then it, it just kind of builds that connection you know so definitely just meeting as many people as you can throughout the throughout the um, interview process um and at the end of the day the interview process itself it's a it's just a conversation between you and whoever it is that's interviewing you you know um you wanna you yeah i mean you just want to make it sound as casual as you can you don't want to sound scripted um and you want them to to like you for who you are you know and at the end of the day it's it's not just a one-sided thing you don't i personally think that you don't have to feel like you need to impress them or anything like that you know um because they they will be asking you questions and you want to ask them questions too to make sure that you also like the school that you're going to or you you're interviewing at um so you know i think the most important thing is to just be yourself um i know it's very nerve-wracking um, and that's okay, that's normal, but um, practicing ahead of time also helps. Um, and not practicing scripted conversations, you know, but just practicing with a family member and just trying to make it sound as natural as possible. Yeah, no, I think definitely some people kind of think of the interview process and they think like question, answer, question, answer. Yeah. Um, but we actually had Brandon Axelrod, who was an incoming D2 student at Sony Brook, the School of Dental Medicine, I don't know if you know him. Yeah. But um, he, you know, he kind of told us that like he kind of swayed the questions wherever he wanted to go. Um, so he'd ask the interviewer like questions back, yeah. kind of avoid not avoid but kind of like change the direction of the conversation. And like I think I forgot what he said, but he said like the conversation just just became something really casual, nothing about dentistry, something else. But was that true in your own personal experience? Like, did you have um? Like, what was the focus of your interview questions? Were they more on dentistry? Or was it more like on your personal life? So it's, it depends who you get. And I would highly recommend if you know, the, if you know ahead of time, the name of the person who is interviewing you, research them, see, see what they like, see what they're about so that, you know, you can try to give your conversation towards things that they like to talk about. It might not necessarily be dentistry, you know, but I remember I had um, someone who interviewed me who loved research. So um, I didn't, know that ahead of time but you know when i found out how much he loved research i tried to, my best to um gear the conversation towards research um and you know research is also just something that i was interested in pursuing when i um applied for dental school too so it kind of just worked out yeah i mean if you know uh like who your interviewer is ahead of time maybe you can formulate some kind of questions to ask them you know to, to kind of steer the conversation how you would like it to go you know i feel like when this conversation is steered by the person getting interviewed which would be uh, the, the pre-dentals in this case, I feel like it makes the whole interview process a little easier just because it feels like you're more in control of the conversation now. So like, what are some questions that pre-dentals could ask the interviewer, uh, you know, to, to achieve this, to, to increase that comfort level during the interview itself? Yeah, so I think it, it depends what it is that the interviewee is looking for at the school. Um, you know, I've met people who, applied for dental school knowing that they want to specialize in ortho or that they want to specialize in perio or endo so you know a lot of questions that you can ask are how is the ortho department here you know ortho there's a lot of scanning involved in ortho so do they use digital scanners and ortho here um digital dentistry itself is gonna it's making a lot of progress so how heavy is the school in digital um faculty to student ratio in clinic, right? Um, luckily, Stony Brook is a very small school. There's about 40 people per class. So there's very um, heavy interaction between faculty and students. I feel, I feel like the faculty literally know all the students here. <laughs> um, so faculty student ratio is definitely something that you want to take into account. Um, research, you know, if students are interested in research, then talk, talk about like, you know, what type of research are current students conducting. Um, Outreach. I know um, Stony Brook is huge in outreach. We had um, we had mission trips in Chile, Madagascar. Um, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to um, be a part of that because COVID hit around the time we were uh, doing applications for those. Um, but that's something that's something huge too that drew me into Stony Brook. Um, so I think it all comes down to what the individual is looking for, 
location wise also, you know, um, uh, you know, faculty, they all understand that when you're a student, you're not like, they don't want you to have like just a 24 seven studying lifestyle, you know, they want to make sure you have a healthy balance. So you can even talk about like, what do students like to do here for fun outside of school? So I actually went to Guatemala a couple of weeks ago for the, you know, you know, uh, the organization VAW. VAW. Hear of that one? It's it's just like an outreach. So we went for like a dental outreach program. So we helped, you know, like assisting and shadowing. Um, and I know personally, I'm also a dental assistant. So like, you know, assisting is like one of the ways I kind of keep myself involved with dentistry, even when I'm at school. Yeah. Um. So like you personally, like, did you did you how did you find shadowing and assisting? Like, uh, you know, how did it? How was it a valuable experience for you? Like, did it solidify your choice in dentistry or did you kind of, uh, you know, what aspect of it did you love the most? Yeah, so um, like I said, I did enter dentistry really late, um, like right before applications started. So I didn't have as much shadowing experience as I would have liked to. Um, but um, I went back to my local dentist, asked if I could shadow him. Um, and also while I was at Stony Brook, I would just look um, at anyone who owns a practice near me. And I actually, I literally just sent them an email, told them that I'm a pre-dental student interested in learning more. And I'd love to stop by your office if you have the time, um, shadow you. And it does work. <laughs> so I did shadow someone a couple of times around the Stony Brook area, but majority of the time I was shadowing um, someone, like I was shadowing my local dentist. Um, yeah, and you know, there's also, there's also other things you can do if you wanna, there's, um, for example, Discover Dental. Stony Brook has a Discover Dental program where people who are interested in learning more about dentistry, it's, I think, a two-week program where they can get hands-on experience to see if it's something that they want to do before they commit to dentistry. Um, it's not something I was able to take advantage of, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, there are programs out there like that, too. Right. I know Discover Dental School is like a huge program that the uh, Sony Brook Dental School uh, did host for a couple of years, but I think because of COVID and all the, the rules and, re and the regulations they got now, um, it has, I don't think it's been running for like the past two or three years, but I think students um, can look into SHPEP, which is like kind of like the same thing. I know Columbia hosts that kind of program where you go like during the summer and it's kind of more like a health administration slash pre-med, pre-dental kind of uh, program where they kind of teach you about you know ethics and uh, you know you just you, you stay at the school for like the whole summer and you just go through a bunch of programs I know our, our first guest Sade was talking about this um so like there, there's other alternatives um you know to get yourself really involved in dentistry while you're still an undergrad um so so um can we let's talk more about let's transition into um like your dental school experience right can you kind of summarize or briefly talk about your four years at Dental at uh, Stony Brook School down in Madison? Sure. Yeah. So, um, at Stony Brook specifically, for the first six months or so, you're taking classes at the medical school with the medical students, um, and then slowly as the spring semester hits, you're transitioning into the dental school. Um, for the first year, you're taking a few hands-on courses at the dental school also. So things like basic dental morphology, waxing up teeth. Um, basic operative, so you learn how to, you know, pick up a handpiece and how to um, remove decay and simulated teeth and practice composite or amalgam restorations. Um, so that's basically all first years. First year is mainly all didactic um, with some of those lab courses. Uh, second year here, you start to transition into more heavy lab courses like prosthodontics, right? So prosthetics, um, fixed crowns, removable dentures, um, you have lab courses on those, and you're still kind of continuing with your didactic courses. So now you're taking uh, a little bit more advanced courses uh, like oral surgery, you know, you start to transition into oral pathology um, and you start to take a lot of the specialty courses too. So like more advanced perio courses, endo courses, uh, courses, things like that. Uh, towards the later half of the second year, you start to transition into the clinic as a pre-doc pre student in, in clinic. Um, so, you know, you start getting patients, you start seeing patients maybe once or twice a week, and uh, you have rotations in the school where, you know, you can shadow uh, or assist upperclassmen or specialties. Um, third year is more clinic-based. Um, you have some didactics, like maybe eight to 10, you have didactics, and then 10 to five is all clinic, and then fourth year is predominantly all clinic. Uh, you start even earlier, you start at nine, fourth years, and they go from nine to five, you know, lunch break in the middle. 
So that's a really in-depth explanation of what you know dental school is. Um, for many like students wondering <clears throat> like what dental school is like, can you just describe how you felt, you know, winding back the clock, entering your first year of dental school? Like how was it adjusting from undergrad? You know, was it just crazy? Like, did you did you go into med courses like, wow, what am I doing right now? Like, did you have any self-doubt? You know, stuff like that. Yeah, of course I had self-doubt. <laughs> I just want to say that that is a normal part of dental school. Um, is it's not easy, you know, it's not, and it's also not necessarily the material itself that could be challenging, it's the volume. Um, so, I mean, me personally, since I got into the whole dental game pretty late, I, I did shadow, but I didn't have much shadowing experience. And like I said, I kind of took a leap of faith with this. Um, first year, year and a half, I struggled a lot. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it took me a while to understand concepts, um, you know, I had all my friends who did assist and, you know, things like, um, I don't know, like mount, like pouring alginate impressions, uh, making models. Um, it was a little bit easier for them and it was very difficult <laughs> for me. So um, I, I kind of just, you know, um, told myself that this is part of the process and, you know, it's not that I'm bad or anything. It's just that I don't have as much experience, you know, um, something I would suggest is like definitely try to get as much experience as you can before coming in dental school. It's not required, but it's going to help a lot. Um, and I'm telling you that firsthand. Um, for the first year and a half or so of dental school, I definitely had a lot of self-doubt. Um, I struggled a lot. Um, but, you know, the thing is, when you have peers um, and friends here, like everyone really cares about each other. You know, everyone wants everyone else to succeed. And um, so like, there's a lot of things that I've learned from my friends that, um, you know, if it's a certain technique, like after learning from them, it's something that I kind of have with me now to, you know, take on. Um, but it was more so during the pandemic where I personally had more time to get my stuff together. I reviewed a lot of um, basic stuff we were taught for the first one and a half years or so. Um, and also just practiced a lot more in the lab. and. Over time, I, I kind of just got a lot better and I started to have um, more passion for the profession itself. Um, so, I mean, if there's one thing I could say, it's that it's like, don't, don't beat yourself up if you don't get something on the first try or even if it takes a lot of tries to get it, it's part of the process. Um, and for me personally, like I'd rather fail a hundred times than get lucky and pass, you know? Um, it's a huge learning curve, it's a learning process, but the four years are going to fly by and it's totally worth it. Right. So how, how did you uh, like manage your social life and how'd you just, how'd you uh, get that good time management throughout your, throughout dental school? Yeah. So um, it was probably around second year um, because first year I struggled a lot. Right. And then second year in the beginning of second year, I was kind of thinking about how I can do better. Right. Um I, in a way, had to sacrifice a little bit of my social life, right? But second year, I actually became more involved in dancing um, because I kind of told myself, I was like, okay, if I, if I really want to dance, then I have to do better in school and I have to really manage my time to, you know, get better grades and just develop better habits and better techniques, right? Because, um, you know, like in first year, you're all with your friends, you know, you, you're going to say you're going to study at the library, you're there four hours and half the time, you're just chilling, Right. <laughs> like that's, I think that's how it is in the beginning. Um, so second year, I kind of had to cut out my social life a little bit and use dance as my motivation to do a lot better. So literally my schedule was um, second year, I would be in class from eight to five, five to eight thirty. I would study really hard and at dance rehearsal, like eight thirty, eleven thirty. And that was like basically my day. <laughs> so I had to sacrifice my social life, especially on the weekends. Weekends, I took a lot of time to study and catch up on things. And uh, like surprisingly, my grades actually improved dramatically <laughs> after this. Um, so I think it's just, it's just all about learning how to prioritize and learning what it is that you're weak at and what you want to get better at and try to make that into a strength. Yeah, and I, kinda, I think that kind of touches into like time management. Yeah. Um, you know, if you set blocks of time, out to study and then you have class before you study after and you do something you really enjoy at the end of the day I feel like um you know your brain kind of goes to sleep restful because you're doing something and then you really love to do right yeah. so I think you know whether that be like going to the gym or just playing basketball or something like that I think it's a really good thing to end, end the day off uh you don't want to be 
<clears throat> I don't know. If, are you the kind of person to study like late at night, or kind of more like a a daytime person to study? Or um, I'm a. I would say I'm a morning person. In the beginning of school, I definitely was not a morning person, but I kind of wanted to get in the habit of going to the gym in the morning. Um, you know, because I really feel like that pump gives you a lot of energy to to take you through the day. So after like about a two weeks or so of trying to experiment with that, wasn't easy in the beginning. You know, because you know, who wants to wake up? at like six o'clock <laughs> but um after kind of practicing that I feel like I developed myself into a morning person um so I don't really like studying late at night um I think uh it just it just doesn't really work for me mm-hmm. yeah so what is something you wish you knew before like dental school was it you know like what what did you feel like you should have known until you'd be like better prepared I just wish I got more experience honestly yeah yeah uh again like experience it's not it's not required but it will help you a lot like things like i think if you can identify what a cavity looks like on an x-ray we learned that in first year you know um if you can if you that's something that you already know ahead of time if you know the types of teeth that we have in our mouth you know like the incisors canines premolars molars um and you know the names of the surfaces that are on teeth just Anything that you can kind of get your hands on and learn before dental school, it's going to be a huge plus for you. So you you know you talked about like your experience, um, you wish you had more. Um, I know like in dental school, I've heard about the wax ups you have to do. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> everyone laughs whenever. <laughs> yes. um, so how did you you know how are your hand skills going at dental school? Your hand eye coordination, like how did you kind of you know make that better? It's, it can't be as easy as playing a video game, but. Yo, my hands are trash. <laughs> I'm not even lying. <laughs> so bad. I would be that that dude who was always like the last one to leave, first one to enter, and last one to leave because my hands are just that bad. <laughs> um, but I think um, just learning from from your peers who know what they're doing, <laughs> you know, and just kind of um, asking them to show you. I know. Uh, I th- I really think the more times you do it the more you start to develop new techniques and you start to see things that you haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, and it just takes time and patience. I really think that's what it is, especially if you're not getting good at it in the beginning. You just got to try to figure out what your mistakes are and try to figure out how you can make that better. You know, because for, for wax ups, um, we have all these different instruments that have a specific function, right? But at the end of the day, you just want to try to figure out what works best for you. Like if this instrument that has this particular function, if you don't like it for that function and you see a, a different benefit for it, then use it for that. You know? uh, dentistry, I've learned throughout the years, it's very intuitive. Um, you just got to try to figure out what works best for you. Yeah, it's definitely good to know that, you know, not everyone starts at like the golden level when they start dental school, right? That's the whole point of going is to, to, to hone in on your craft and just kind of get better. So how is the, how are your peers in helping each other, uh, you know, throughout these process? Are they, is there a lot of competition or are they just kind of, is everyone just kind of helping each other during dental school? Like, how is that like? Yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone in my friend group is way better than me, you know, and it, it does, it does get upsetting, you know, but I always try to think about it this way. You know, I am not in high school anymore, you know, I'm more mature than this, you know, I, like rather than being upset about it, you know, ask them what works best for them. Um, and, you know, my, my friends were really open to helping, I think, because we're all kind of struggling together, you know, we all just want to be there for each other. Um, so, yeah, like, like one of my best friends, um, they call him like the hand god. <laughs> um, and like, he is literally always so happy to help, not just me, but literally anyone who's struggling, you know. Um, and there, there are going to be people who are better than you there's going to be people who are way better than you but I think you just kind of have to remind yourself that you got to think about this more maturely you know um rather than being upset about it try to ask them for help and see what you can do to be better yeah um I think you know having someone like especially when your friends like guide you during dental school sounds like a really good thing and I think you know that's where you see that, that contrast between undergrad and like dental school I think dental school everyone knows you know, they, they have all deserve to be here. So they're yeah. all willing to help each other. There's no like, there's competition, but there's not, it's not like the toxicity you might see in like an undergraduate pre-med, pre-dental environment. Um, you know, that's just something that I've 
you know, heard about over the past couple of years and weeks. Uh, so I kind of wanted to ask, um, you did feel a little bit behind while you were in dental school, but you ended up founding a prosthodontics club. Um, can you talk a little bit more about, you know, how that came about, you know, what was the motivation behind that and like, how's that going? Yeah. Um, so it was probably around the pandemic where, cause you know, right before the pandemic, I was still in this phase where I didn't know if dentistry was actually for me. Cause I was just having a really hard time with it, you know? Um, but with, the time that we had during the pandemic, I just sat down and started reviewing a lot of my old lectures. Um, and I think I was more so focused on learning crossed better, both fixed and removable, because those are the current courses that we were taking at the time. Um, and I just did not have a good understanding of those two. Um, but you know, as I started to review it more, my grades in those classes improved significantly. And, and by the time the pandemic ended, I was like, wow, I like literally cannot wait to go back to uh, our lab courses for both fixed and removal because I think now I kind of understand what it is that I have to do to get better. Um, and so when I, when I got back, I did improve significantly with my hand skills in those courses. Um, and then down the line, um, I started to, that, that specialty just kind of, like I just got drawn to that specialty. I think it's because it's one of those specialties where I was very weak at in the beginning right? But then it's something that I wanted to get a lot better in. And I guess I'm the type of person who wants to make a weakness into a strength, you know? Um, so that's something that really uh, drew me to it. And I wanted to learn more about it. And um, I was just thinking about all the clubs that we had in the school. You know, we have the perio club, the endo club, the ortho club. But then in my head, I was like, I don't see a cross club here. <laughs> so, so then I just talked to one of our faculty and I asked her if she'd be willing to start it with me got an entire executive board together. And then um, we had a few lectures um, and some events and that was really awesome, you know. Uh, I am a resident now, so I'm not in charge of the Pros Club anymore, but I did, um, I guess, pass the torch onto uh, someone who I know is gonna take really good care of the club. Right, so you, you've been achieving all these great things you're done in school. So what, what qualities do you think during undergrad uh, have really that you've really taken and developed as you're, you've continued dental school like what qualities and skills have you really just been using that you learned from undergrad in dental school now um I think definitely communication I think is a big one um and being open to collaborating right because now that I'm in residency right I'm in a general practice residency I'm going to be working with periodontists endodontists prosthodontists orthodontists um so throughout my years of um, just trying to make more connections with people. Um, that's something that I think it's, it's, it's something that I'm trying to keep, keep in mind of more um, so that, because I know it's, it's a, it's a very important quality, you know? Um, so I think that's probably one of the biggest skills that I'm trying to be more aware of, making sure my communication skills are, are up there. Um, and other personal skills. <laughs> Um, I think this isn't really a skill, but I think mentoring is something that's really important to keep in mind also. Um, now that you've been through the whole four-year process of dental school, I think you kind of have a responsibility to help those who are looking to apply um, and, you know, just kind of guide them through the process, especially if they reach out to you, so you know what kind of works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, so I guess that kind of falls into like um, the category of just being more open-minded. Um, so I would say being more open-minded and um, communication is, is like two really important skills. Yeah, I think communication, uh, you know, dentistry is such like a social practice um, that, you know, if you don't get communication, your patients might not, you know, like, you know, like you would trust you as much. You need to be sure to, you know, because I mean, there, it's, it's a, it's a very like valuable, it's a very valuable service. Like, you know, they're paying a lot of money to get this done and they're trusting you to, you know, give them the right diagnosis. So I kind of want to ask you, like, how did it feel, you know, was it D3 or D, D2, D3 year you started seeing patients? It was um, the end of D2. Started seeing. So how does, how did it feel like start seeing you like your first patient and kind of, you know, being responsible for that person for however long you had them for? Yeah. I mean, I guess when I saw my first patient, I was like, wow, I have no idea how to talk to my patient. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is kind of awkward. I don't know what to say. Um, 
don't really know what I'm doing, but I kind of got to sound like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know? um, so, I mean, it's definitely, um, it's definitely nerve wracking. Like there's no doubt about it, you know, but I think it kind of goes back to if you're being yourself, you want to make sure the patient's comfortable, you know, comfortable with you. And I think um, just by being yourself, um, making sure you're looking out for them and kind of reassure them that, you know, what you're doing is best for them. Um, and you're going to get a lot of different types of patients, you know, um, patients who are easy to talk to, patients who are hard to talk to, patients who are quiet, patients who are more social. Um, you kind of, I guess the way I, I looked at it is I tried to gauge the, like, the type of person my patient is, and I guess I tried to orient myself towards that person. So if they were very social, then I tried to make sure I was very social, you know. Um, if I find out they like music, play some music for them, you know. Um, kind of just got to gauge the, the patient. Yeah. So how did it feel, uh, you know, trans, uh, transferring from, you know, working on, on a mannequin and typhodont to working on actual people uh, was it like scary. What kind of, what kind of feelings were you feeling there? Um, I feel like no matter how many times you practice on a typhodont or a mannequin, you're always going to be nervous for your first patient. Um, and I think that's just the reality of it. Um, I mean, I would still recommend, you know, just definitely practice more if you don't feel like you're comfortable, practice more before you do it on your first patient. But um, faculty, especially at Stony Brook, are always there to help you and guide you. You know, they'll take you step by step. And patients also understand that it is a school, you know, um, but, you know, it's, it's reassuring to them as well that faculty are there. So um, definitely asking your faculty for help, um, taking things one step at a time, you know, um, so it is nerve wracking in the beginning, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get. You know, you get your, for, you get your patient. Um, how long do they give you for each appointment? Like, how does it work? Um, you know, for like a filling a crown, what is like the difference? Um, so I think uh, while you're in second and third year, um, at Stony Brook also, you're kind of responsible for booking your own patients. You're responsible for contacting your patients and uh, booking the appointments. Um, I think they you kind of have to see so there's two sessions there's the morning session and the, and the afternoon session and for the second and third year you kind of have to have one patient on each uh in each session so one patient in the morning and afternoon um and during fourth year you kind of have more freedom you know because fourth year you you can kind of we have uh different pre-doc clinics sort of say um we have the general pre-doc clinic, right? But we also have specialty-based pre-doc clinics, which is the perio-focused pre-doc clinic, the prosthodontics-focused pre-doc clinic, where, you know, in your second and third year, if you're doing um, a perio procedure or a pros procedure, you have to work with that specific faculty. Right. But in fourth year, they kind of treat everyone as general dentists. So in fourth year, you can do even some of those advanced cases that are uh, pros-focused or perio-focused in um, the general clinic um so by the time you're a fourth year you kind of have a lot more freedom and leeway in terms of how you want to organize your patients um so you know if you if you say have to take alginates on one patient right and you have time to do a filling on another patient you can kind of do that but I, it's more so during fourth year you get that freedom to see more patients in one session so like what really stood out to you about Sony Brook School of Dental Medicine itself um you know what what kind of drew you to the school uh, when you're applying? Honestly, I think digital dentistry is one of the biggest things that the school has. Um, our lab technician, uh, within the past two or three years, he literally created this entire lab that's devoted to digital technology. So we have, so, we have a lot of different scanners. We have um, milling machines to help mill the crowns and restorations. We have 3D printers, um, you know, and uh, our lab technician has so much knowledge in this area where, you know, uh, I, looking back, I just wish I took more advantage of it. You know, I am still heavily involved in it, um, but just, I think that's one of the key things about Stony Brook. Um, other than that, the faculty-student ratio is the other important thing. 40 students per class, and you probably in clinic have sometimes six to seven faculty for those 40 students. Um, and just having that extra one-on-one type of experience is, is amazing. Um, and the thing about Stony Brook, I think it, since the school is so small, it just feels like a family, you know? Oh yeah, it's definitely great to hear that it's like a family atmosphere, um, you know, during your hard years at Stony Brook. 
Um, so I kind of want to talk about, you know, we kind of finished the, den the dental school like experience. How has residency been? I know it's only been like a couple, you graduated in May, correct? Yeah. So uh, how long, you know, did you start right away after you graduated or was it a couple, couple weeks? Like how did that, how was that transition? For me, it was a couple weeks, you know, um, I think because of the pandemic, not everyone walked on the same day, but everyone kind of has a different date on their diploma for graduation. So, I mean, I was still seeing patients even after I walked because I just wasn't done with all of my um, requirements and all of my patient care. So uh, by the time I graduated, I probably only had two weeks of break. Um, whereas people who graduated on time had about a month or you know a little bit longer than that. Um, and so, I mean, the schedule is definitely rigorous for a residency because um, not only are we seeing patients straight from nine to five, but we also have hospital call hours. Um, so this month alone, we're on call, each of us are on call like eight times and there's day call and night call. So day call is 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Whereas night call is uh, 5 p.m. to 11 a.m. But you can get called back up until 7 a.m. So there could be people out there who have days that are nine to five and then they're on call from five to 11. <laughs> Uh, whereas like five to 11, you're required to be in the hospital. You can leave after that, but again, you know, you could be called back at any time. Um, and so other than that, you know, we have lectures um, sometimes uh, before clinic starts and during lunch. Um, I definitely like residency more in the aspect that we don't have to book our own patients. You know, our front coordinators, they have our backs and they book our patients for us. Um, of course, if there's any changes that we want to make in the schedule, we can do that. We would just tell them to do those for us. Um, a lot of things, some, well, actually something else that um, people, I guess, like about GPR is that you don't have to do all your own lab work. You can just send it out. Um, me personally, I'm trying to do lab work still uh, just because it's something that I want to get better at because, you know, down the line, if a patient comes in and, you know, you need to fix something up on the spot, like you can have, you, you'll know how to troubleshoot things like that in the future. So that's just why I want to try to continue doing lab work. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing about residency is, is that we have assistants, um, professionally trained assistants who got our back also, who help us any, anytime we need help. Um, I feel like in dental school, you literally have to do everything by yourself. <laughs> you know, you have to book your patients by yourself. You have to, um, a lot of times you may not even get assistance because, uh, you know, all students are kind of seeing their own patients. Um, and setting up your base, breaking down the base. We still set up and break down our base in residency, um, but it's, you know, you feel like you're actually working in a private office now that you have assistance there to help you. And, um, you know, it's, you have the front desk coordinating your patients for you. So in that aspect, it's definitely better. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a little bit uh, early for, you know, pre-dentals and undergrad to think about residency, but, you know, as they get to dental school, it's definitely something they have to think about. So can you just give us a little rundown of how the residency pro, uh, process works, like applying and, you know, how, how, how you get For a residency, it's passed and it's also by IDEA. Um, so it, it literally looks exactly like the dental school application, but it's just for residency. Um, so it, it's pretty straightforward and it's actually really simple in that aspect because, I mean, ADSES, like no one likes applying, right? But ADSES at least kind of kept everything organized and it was just easy to follow. Um, so it's literally the same thing um, for residency. I mean, some schools don't use the pass application. They kind of have their own thing. Um, but the other thing that actually, is actually different is that um, there's match for residency. Um, so rather than having a school telling you that you're in, like how it is for dental school, and you could kind of choose which school it is you want to go to, all the schools that you apply to an interview at you actually have to rank them and the school ranks the applicants. So it's like if your first choice is this school, but that school put you as like their fourth choice, you're less likely to get in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've heard of that ranking system. Um, it seems kind of like scary. I mean, <laughs> you know, like you're not really sure, you know, you second guess your rankings and they could like get to make you differently. So yeah. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, so I just want to ask, like, what, so, you know, during dental school, you might have three or four hour appointments. Um, during residency, like, is that the same, the same amount of time you have? Or is it kind of different? And like, what kind of things have you seen? Uh, maybe some things you haven't seen before, or, you know, some things you have to like, kind of figure out on the spot. 
Yeah, so I mean, in the in the beginning, since we just got out of dental school, the coordinators give us a little bit more time for each appointment. But as I'm like looking ahead of my schedule, I'm noticing that I'm getting less and less time for each appointment and getting maybe two or three patients in one session. <laughs> so it's kind of forcing me to not not having to rush through treatment, but just teaching myself how can I be more efficient and still provide good care, you know. Um, and I know in the beginning, it's going to be tough trying to see three patients all in one setting, but it's something that I am looking forward to because like I said, the more times you do something, the more times you, the more times you start to develop new techniques and think of things um, that can make your experience a little better. Um, and sorry, what was the other question you asked? Um, kind of like what, you know, what things have you seen that oh. you haven't seen before, you know, procedure wise? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, something that I wasn't the most confident in after graduating dental school was how to manage dental emergencies, you know, so patients in pain, how do you go about that, right? So I think that uh, our hospital rotations really help out with that. Um, so, uh, you know, patient comes in pain, um, help, you can prescribe them antibiotics, you can give them an injection to help relieve the area. Um, you can do incision and drainages where if they have an abscess, you can just kind of relieve that area for a little bit and then they can come back to um, our clinic if they need a tooth extracted, you know. Um, so I think dental emergencies is something that is really, some, it's something that I'm just looking forward to on handling, you know, because you want to make sure that your patients aren't in pain. Yeah. No, this is really good insight. Um, you know, I kind of, <clears throat> our goal was to have you touch on everything about dentistry because I know you're like in that, in that part of your life where, you know, you just finished dental school and now you're in residency. You're kind of like in that, I guess, you're jumping that, that bridge towards a professional life. Um, yep. Thank you, you know, a lot for, you know, telling us, giving all this valuable information. Um, how can pre-dentals like reach out to you for further advice or any questions? Like you can drop your Instagram handle, you know, your dance page, anything like that. Yeah, I would say the best way to get in contact with me is my Instagram page. Um, just DM me on Instagram. I can drop the handle here at oil moves. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that concludes our episode of the Dose Dental Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Goyle, for joining me and sharing your experiences. Your insight was definitely valuable, and I hope that it'll be the same for repeat dental listeners. Everyone, please feel free to reach out to Dr. Goyle on his socials if you have any further questions. Lastly, we thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to follow us on Instagram and Spotify, and we'll see you next time for another Dose of Dental.